right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's the Lost Treasures Podcast. I'm John Scheel. I'm Adam Means. And we have so many updates for you. It's been a couple of weeks since we've gotten together, and there's just so much moving and grooving in the world of antiquities and archaeology and lost treasures and metal detecting. And we're here to bring it all to you. But first, we got to say thank you to each and every listener who has written in and communicated to Adam how much they enjoy the show. If you enjoy the show, click like, subscribe, follow, join us, send us a note, send us a, a note about your treasure hunts. And uh, also a quick shout out to my law firm, J. Arthur Sheelan Associates, for sponsoring the podcast. If you've got a story to tell, we can help protect your intellectual property and we can help you get there. Definitely. John and his team have been great, and I am, could not be more thankful to be able to work with him on a weekly and sometimes daily basis, depending on how much I want to bother him. So thanks again, John. <laughs> so, Adam, we have obviously been talking about uh, some United States treasure hunting locations, right? Mm -hmm. And one site that keeps coming up on our podcast time and time again is Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas. Arkansas. Yep, I know. This is the third time we've talked about it. So, Well, what happened? So I got this, oh, I think it was like a week ago, week and a half, something like that. Uh, I sent it right over to you right away, John. I was like, look what happened. So uh, tourist from France, uh, his name is Julian uh, Nevin, I believe. Navis. I'm sorry, Julian Navis, 42-year-old, uh, uh, was actually, had heard about the Crater of Diamonds State Park uh, quite often over in France. And decided to come over, and he was actually looking for a diamond for his fiance. And so, what does he end up finding? Nice seven point four six carat brown diamond, and he's gonna break it into two pieces: one for his wife, soon to be, and one for his daughter. And I thought that was really cool. Amazing. So late January, Julian comes over from Paris, stumbles across the gem while exploring the 37-acre search area of Crater of Diamonds State Park. He says he got to the park around 9 o'clock in the morning and started to dig, and he said it was backbreaking work, so by the afternoon, he was mainly looking on top of the ground for anything that stood out. And Mr. Navis, the lucky visitor, found a gumdrop-shaped diamond after hours of searching in muddy conditions as a result, of course, the January rains. Mm -hmm. And the diamond is the largest that's been discovered in the park since 2020 and the eighth largest registered in the park since 1972. Unreal. Unbelievable. Super cool. I love it. And so he's he's naming the diamond, the Kareem diamond, after his fiance, and he's going to cut the stone into two pieces, as you said, and he'll mm -hmm. give one to his daughter. Yeah. And... What an amazing thing. I mean, this is this is just incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. And there's uh, a couple other facts that I, I got from a couple different articles. So from 1972 to 2023, uh, there had been 35,250 diamonds found. Yep. And a total weight of 7,032 carats. That's and that, unbelievable. And for Julian, that cost him $15 to get in to find that pretty nice diamond amazing even yeah. with the flight to france yeah yeah right <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you are in the arkansas area i think you owe yourself uh, a favor of mm -hmm. going and checking this out and if you are a treasure hunter in the united states specifically in the south 
eastern part of the United States, this is probably the place to go. I, I was thinking we should probably go there, John. I think this summer, <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, road trip for Adam yeah, and I. We've We're already going. been talking about it. So. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the third time we've talked about this. Third time, and I know. It just seems like it keeps coughing up diamonds. Yeah, and it sounds like pretty much on a daily basis, somebody will find something. Obviously not that size, right? I mean, that's rare, um, but about once a day, a couple articles that I read that somebody's finding something. So, you know, if you're a local person, you know, talk about an easy place to go to, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, there's been so many updates in the world of archaeology. And as we talked last time, the late, latter part of the year is really the time when archaeologists start to release all the reports. But I found this one report that was pretty interesting because it was... Um, really uncovered uh, about 550 bronze artifacts and it started off with a metal detectorist. Yep. So it was in Poland mm -hmm. and there's a, in the northern central region of Poland uh, a dried lake bed. Uh, this man decided to go out metal detecting and found uh, some artifacts, metal detectorist, I can't say that word. Metal detectorist discovered the jewelry last year uh, at Papua Biskupi, the site of a long dried up lake bed in Poland. And after finding some metal artifacts, then brought in the archaeologist, mm -hmm. did exactly what he was supposed to do, turned it over to the archaeologists, and they found the this one of the most eloquent testimonies of ritual activity from the Lusatian period in Poland, according to a study in the journal Antiquity. Now, this Lusatian period was between 1200 and 450 BCE, wow. and it was an occupied area of um, the, the Helno group. Hell no, the hell no group. <laughs> they, were, they were there. Large, large North European uh, culture that uh, has long been lost. And looking at the Antiquity article, they found quite a bit of stuff in this oh, lake yeah. bed. I mean, mm -hmm. ritual artifacts, and it looks like this was a, a lake burial, and they, they did some test uh, trench and core drilling, and they found just dozens of funerary grave items, mm -hmm. funerary baskets. Um, there's an image in the Antiquity article of, of all of the stuff that they found, and it started with someone going out, just like we've been talking about, yep. going out and getting some exercise with a metal detection. Sounds like that's where it starts a lot of the times, you know? Like somebody just going out, little hobby, hanging out, whatever you're doing. But this very often leads to other things. But talk about adding to the the history of the world. I oh, mean, yeah. there's there's mm -hmm. so much in this article and this, this journal article yes. um, from all the archaeology that's that's been then done there um, a whole lot of new information about this group in Northern Europe. And it's in an area of Poland. That's um, they, they feel this, this, the people who lived here also spread into the Ukraine. So who knows what uh, is out there mm -hmm. still definitely in Poland and Germany and Ukraine. Both of these articles, I think said they found like 550 different bronze artifacts. I mean, that's a ton. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think uh, anything over two is considered a hoard, but that could also refer just to coins. I don't know if that goes back to artifacts. So I'm seeing it in some of this stuff that the period spanning 600 to 450 BC, the, the, there's a trade route that ran through eastern Germany through, uh, there's mentions of Italy and the Ukraine and um, western Ukraine 
all sorts of stuff just passing through this area, and this is a, a key window into the important Lusatian period. Mm-hmm. Um, so fantastic stuff. Now, I know that just last week there was another news article about uh, the uni- uh, United Kingdom. It was actually in Staffordshire. Uh, a man named Jonathan Needham found a what looks like an object that held a cloak together, kind of like the pins, like right at your neck where you would hold the cloak onto mm, your body. Mm-hmm. And it was gold, uh, and it's 3,000 years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Looking. Incredibly rare Bronze Age artifact. Um, again, we're going way, way back here. Mm-hmm. And it was found by a metal detectorist in the United Kingdom. And the beautifully preserved object comes from a time when Irish smiths were producing some of the most exquisite gold work in Europe. Wow. And illustrates cultural links between Ireland and Britain during the Bronze Age. Wow. Fantastic. I know. That's pretty cool. Unbelievable. Now, you spoke to some metal detectorists in the UK recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to uh, be interviewed by Katie McDoyle with the Detecting History podcast over in the UK. So we did that like, oh, it was uh, last Friday or two Fridays ago, something like that. And she's awesome. She gets more into the you know details of what are you going to do for breakfast or what are you going to what type of equipment you use. So like very detailed. And we kind of went back and forth. So I talked to her for like an hour, and you know I picked her brain on some stuff, and she just asked me, you know, what's going on with my project and the unique things with that. So, now, yeah. doesn't she go out and do occasional group meets? Like, oh yeah, with folks. Who they are- have meetups there, mm-hmm. and so you know we were talking to most of you know her area. She covers around an hour or two within her her own area, but when they have stuff that's you know farther out where you're having a bunch of people together, as long as they get the permissions, uh, they have a big group thing too. So. I think that's key, getting the permissions. So they get the permissions, they get a group meetup, Mm -hmm. and then don't they do some digs as well when they're finding stuff? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, everybody kind of spreads out, you know. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you got a confined, not confined, but you have a defined area, and so then you go out on that property and then, you know, see who finds the best thing of the day. So I thought it was pretty neat. Everybody has different equipment too, you know, so. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Now, is it kind of a potluck style? Everybody brings some food or there's a picnic? (laughs) What's what's going on? That's a good question, John. I don't know. I didn't know what they're doing for all their food and, you know, during, during the day, but you know, from what I've seen on you know YouTube channels and Instagram, and there's quite a few people, they pull their trucks up there and then everybody goes about it. They have a, a big center uh, bucket for like scrap and all that, mm. but everything else is, you know, you know, find it, you got to just keep it and let everybody know. So. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's now, pretty cool. Don't American metal detector companies sometimes come out there and yeah, join they'll her? have. I think there's quite a few sponsors that will go out to do these little digs or teams at least. Uh, uh, from what I was talking to her about, so yeah, I think you know that'd be really neat to have a group of people. You know, if we could get set up on a specific date and time, that'd be something fun to do around here. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. We should get it together. Anyone who's listening to the Lost Treasures podcast, you can email Adam. Start in Cincinnati. That's right. Or Columbus or (laughs) wherever. Yeah. A couple hours drive of the Midwest here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Adam, the email address is LostTreasuresAM. Yep, at Gmail. Mm -hmm. There we go. So email Adam if you want to get together and do a Lost Treasures meetup. We could do a metal detector weekend. And there's plenty of places. Uh, Hawking Hills has a treasure hunt. So yep. mm-hmm. that could be a lot of fun. People could come together and maybe rent some cabins in Hawking Hills. 
uh, beautiful area of eastern Ohio, uh, and They're, they have a treasure. They actually have a sponsored treasure hunt. So yes, yes, that is something they do. I haven't uh, I haven't looked too much what they've been doing lately, but I try to follow them on Instagram too. So well, get in touch with us, folks, if you want to be a part of it. We'll, That'd be great. We'll percolate this idea a little bit. We'll throw it out there in the next couple. <laughs> After episodes. we go to Crater of Diamonds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to join us for Crater of Diamonds, you hit us up there too. Definitely. But one of the things we've got to talk about for those folks who are doing metal detecting is that there was a story that came out late January of a man in the Australian outback, I guess in near Victoria, I think. near Victoria. Yep. That's right. Mm -hmm. So uh, he has a YouTube channel called Dig It Detecting, and unfortunately, Luke Phillips, who regularly documents his metal detecting finds uh, in Victoria, was fined and is facing a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar Australian dollar fine and jail time over a little known 75 year rule. So it's really important that wherever you're doing your metal detecting, you're mm -hmm. getting your permits, you're following the local laws. Yep. Um, Got to get your permissions too. You got to get your permissions. Unfortunately for Mr. Phillips, the Heritage Act in Australia defines any sites that are 75 years or older, which contain items that are at least 75 years old, as archaeological sites, even if they're not listed on heritage registers, and digging on the archaeological site requires special permission, which Mr. Phillips had failed to seek. So, unfortunately, for breaching the Heritage Act, he could face 12 months in prison. Or wow. a fine of $115,000, or both. So Heritage Victoria is investigating the alleged breaches and has ordered Phillips to list when, where, and how he found all the archaeological artifacts in his possession or face fines. Uh, Mr. Phillips, who's been metal detecting for at least six years and has a following of 30,000 on his social media platforms, has said he had never heard of the 75-year rule. Now, this is why, Adam, you came to lawyers when you yes. started this project. 1,000%. Right. I think this is a, in my opinion, lack of attention to detail and knowing where you're going and knowing where you're at. Yeah, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should no. do something, no. right? Yeah, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but you know, there's penalties to those things as well. Right. And so this reminds me of the Antiquities Act in the United States, right? And speaking of the Antiquities Act, a man in Utah uh, destroyed, just really caused an archaeological tragedy. Yeah. He was digging in Utah's Fort Pierce historic site and destroyed portions of invaluable invaluable ancient culture. He was arrested after using power and hand tools to dig a tunnel into Trustlands Administration property in Utah uh, because he thought he was going to find a silver mine. Mm. Um, that's really just sort of terrible. Um, yeah. In the area known for over 100 500-plus-year-old petroglyphs, he dug a tunnel uh, about two feet wide, sinking 15 feet deep, dug this thing with power tools. Wow. And this man, Eduardo Humberto Seuan, was now charged with a felony for illegal digging. Yep. And the folks who found it in the Washington County Sheriff's Search and Rescue stated they could not believe that what they were seeing. The destruction was nothing like we'd ever seen before. And the suspect had power tools and hand tools out there, and he'd obviously been excavating for quite some time. And he claimed he was prospecting for silver, doing so on land that... I guess he he believed had some silver on it, but it was occupied uh, 
by Native American folks in uh, the 1440s AD and potentially even as far back as 1000 BC. Wow. And the Trust Land Administration lead archaeologist said it's almost impossible to calculate the damage caused by this guy. Yep. So we want to encourage all of you to do the right thing and not go digging or metal detecting without permits and without knowing the law. And knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Like, why do you get into an area where, like, this guy is an archaeologist? Right. Right. And he's on federally protected land, too? This guy is out here destroying stuff. Meanwhile, the guy in Poland who did the metal detecting turned his finds over and unlocked a huge archaeological site that's now contributing to the knowledge of world history, Mm -hmm. which is is fascinating. And certainly, on the positive side, this guy's out here digging holes. Yeah. You just can't dig wherever you want, man. Yeah. It better be your land if you're doing that. Yeah. It's uh, sad. All it is is attention to detail. Like, when I was getting to this place where I had to really learn about the laws, that's what I focused on, right? I learned about the laws, and then I found people that know them better than myself. Well, and one of the key things you did was you reached out to an archaeological firm after talking to lawyers. And the archaeological firm, the first thing they did is bring in ground-penetrating radar. 100%. Which is non-invasive, non-destructive. So Mm -hmm. the best thing we can do is preserve it. In fact, some sites... I mean, as we talked when we were talking about Pompeii and Herculaneum Mm -hmm. in the last episode, Mm -hmm. there's whole areas of Pompeii and Herculaneum that haven't been excavated yet because they are waiting for technology to catch up and so they don't destroy history, which is really, we've got to always be thinking about how do we Mm -hmm. preserve that. And I think these two guys that we just mentioned, I mean, that's the opposite of what I wanted to accomplish. I was looking for a specific thing, but I wasn't trying to go through the process of destroying everything in that. And so that was part of my my whole thing is like, I want to preserve the stuff. Yeah. And there's still so much out there. I was reading that an estimated 90% of human Amazonian history is lost in the jungle. Yep. And recently, using LIDAR, archaeologists are uncovering settlements in eastern Ecuador rivaling the complexity of ancient civilizations found in Mexico and Central America. Mm-hmm. And there are literally dozens of sites uh, the, the article says a mind-blowing cluster of ancient lost civilizations. <laughs> so cool. When I saw that, I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, my mind is blown just reading that. So there's little known about the people that flourished in this society from 500 BCE until somewhere around 600 CE, and the population might be 100,000 people lived in this area. It's That's awesome. now just completely covered with Amazon jungle yep mm-hmm. and there's probably more right so yeah they only did 100 i think it was 115 acres they looked on well and that's it i think that's there's going to be much more you know when you look and you're seeing um 115 square, square miles, miles yep mm-hmm. with 2500 year old settlements mm-hmm. that could even be older than that and then you're seeing just i mean just through non-invasive methods, people are finding footprints in the sand in Morocco mm-hmm. that are 90,000 years old. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's so much out there and so many mysteries still to be explored. The potential is unreal if you think about it. And a couple of the different books that I have, they actually give estimates. You know, okay, these people have been around here for this meant long. How many people have been in a certain area where you live? Just think about that. Right. Over thousands of years. Right. And so there could be stuff everywhere. Well, and I think even in the new world, we're seeing things 
where cultures and and information is is being discovered about mm-hmm. people that lived here right so long ago in mm-hmm. fact there's an article that just came out last week um even in cincinnati where we're sitting uh the museum center has yeah. taken native american artifacts off of uh display because the of the uh repatriation the laws that were passed to mm-hmm. repatriate things so if there are native american graves or native american uh, bones or native american cultural items mm-hmm. that uh, need to be brought back to where they were discovered and either displayed in a local museum or in some cases re reburied yeah uh, mm-hmm. in a ceremonial burial did that just start this january yeah that's what i thought because I, I read something about that yeah so Lots of new information in this area, but it is just fascinating. There's a lot of mystery still to be discovered in the world, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily need to be digging holes and exactly. ruining things. And for like with, else. with those other guys, you have a lot of technology at your hands. You just have to understand what it's able to do, right? So there's a huge component to what I did too, and a lot of that has to do with technology, but I also went through the proper steps. Right. So I took the proper steps each time to get to a certain point. And again, if I wouldn't have done these things, like there's no way I'd be sitting here right now. Well, I'm glad you are sitting here right now because 100%. it's certainly fun to talk about all this yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another article you wanted to talk about, and um, I think it's pretty fascinating. A little bit older article, but the the oceans yeah. are chock full of stuff, yeah. right? And it seems like that Florida Keys area... I mean, this is another like 1622, you know, shipwreck story. Um, it really was found by Mel Fisher. So everybody wants to look up that. Like there's pictures. He's got his own uh, nonprofit museum. Um, I believe he still has maritime law rights out there so that they can just keep going back and going back. And then they actually, um, I was watching a you know quick documentary on uh, Mr. Fisher and he's got his own process. So they have to label and identify where everything is found. And so that's, you know, it's still going on and they're still finding stuff. So, yeah, you know, this was, uh, I think this was the Nuestra Sonora de Atocha, a billion dollars. And they've found quite a bit so far. And there's still more down there. I know. And that Florida Keys area, it seems like a pretty hot spot for shipwrecks and, you know, the east coast of Florida, too. Well, at a time when the Spanish were plundering from everybody yeah everyone they could get their hands on not to throw anybody under the bus but we kind of know that uh yeah central america colombia uh south america a lot a lot of places being plundered by the the spanish conquistador yeah Uh, and Mm -hmm. so this is what september 1622 Mm -hmm. the treasure ship uh, i think September, October time frame, a hurricane knocked this one yep. off course and then sank it. And it very had, similar to a lot of those others that get, you know, some some really bad weather. It's it. That's all it takes. Yeah. Well big her, wooden ship. Hurricane season. Maybe they should have waited till spring, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Plunder a little bit more and then uh, and then make the journey. But the ship's inventory included twenty four tons of silver bullion, uh, one thousand thirty eight ingots. 180,000 pesos of silver coins, 582 copper ingots, 125 gold bars and discs, 350 chests of indigo, 525 bales of tobacco, 20 bronze cannons, and 1,200 pounds of worked silverware. Wow. Unreal. I know. Look at those coins. That's so cool. Yeah. 
So today's the day, cried Mel Fisher. In 1969, Florida treasure diver Mel Fisher began a 16-year quest for the treasury, uh, the treasure of the Atocha, famously reminding his team every day today's the day that they would discover the Atocha's main pile. So he's out there mm-hmm. every day for 16 years going underwater. Yeah. Wow. Well, he doesn't. No, I think he actually was one of the ones who was, because at that time he was the one doing a lot of the, the diving. They have a couple like really good. Um, the Discovery Channel has one, uh, and I believe uh, Nat Geo has something too on this whole story. And some of the stuff he found, man, it's it just blows your mind. Like just what we're looking at right now, some emerald uh, emerald uh, rings and a, looks like a emerald cross. Pretty nice, amazing, mm-hmm. just amazing. So, folks, we want to hear from you as to what you want to want us to talk about on this program we obviously have some treasure hunts that adam is a part of and there's some treasure hunts that are still going on today and there's still quite a bit left to find there's always going to be more history to discover Mm -hmm. and uncover Mm -hmm. so send us a note lost treasures am at gmail and definitely click like click subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast we'd like to build a little community of folks who are interested in the past and interesting interested in uncovering lost treasures and that's all I have for today, John. Well, that's it for us today, ladies and gentlemen. We really appreciate you tuning in. Click like, click subscribe, and join us next week on the Definitely. Lost Treasures Podcast.